630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Anderson in on the right wing side. Break wide pass. Carlson back to Calvert. Now to Anderson and he scores! There it is! Number 10! The final goal of the game. The final goal of the game in Columbus. The Blue Jackets beating the Montreal Canadiens 10-0. Thanks for getting that, Matthew Panasic. Stunner tonight in the NHL. Jets and Red Wings are tied 3-3 with five minutes left. Coyotes and Ducks about to face off. The Edmonton Oil Kings are in Moose Jaw. The Warriors lead it 1-0 early in the second period. In a couple of minutes here, we'll have my interview with Tim Hunter, head coach of the Moose Jaw Warriors. Obviously, we, uh, we taped that this afternoon because couldn't do the interview live because he's coaching the Raptors beat the Miami Heat 96-87 the Raptors improve to 4 and 1 on the young season in the CFL it is a final it is a victory for Winnipeg 33-20 over Ottawa regardless of how the Eskimos do tomorrow at 2 against Toronto they will finish 4th in the West, which means they will cross over and be the number three seed in the East Division. They will play Hamilton next Sunday, November 13th, and that playoff game will be on 630 Ched. Uh, the CFL.ca has the start time at 11 a.m. Do you know the last time the Eskimos and Hamilton played in a playoff game, Matthew? Oh, probably the 96 Grey Cup. Sorry? No. Nope. 97? No. Nope. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't. Oh. 96 Grey Cup. The Eskimos uh, lost to Toronto. The last Grey Cup, last playoff meeting between the Eskimos and Tiger Cats, the 1986 Grey Cup in Vancouver, won by Hamilton, 39 they uh, played in the 1980 Grey Cup. The Eskimos won their third of what turned out to be five in a row, 48-10. And I'm just scrolling back. I believe those are the only two times Edmonton and Hamilton played in a playoff game. So there you go. So we'll have the uh, pre-now start time subject to change, but right now it's looking like uh, next Sunday, 9.30 pregame show, 11 o'clock kickoff for the Eskimos and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. We'll have a uh, doubleheader that day too. Not quite as close together, but the Oilers host the Rangers next Sunday the 13th. So there you are. A lot of people wanted the Eskimos to go east. Well, you have your wish. Yeah, you have your wish. Here's the thing: Hamilton's really banged up, and, and that could be that could be to the Eskimos' advantage. It, it'll be interesting to see how the Eskimos uh, deploy people tomorrow. You heard Morley and I talking earlier. The receiving core will be Mitchell, Zilstra, Ajay, Getzlaff, and Bailey. So Walker and Bowman will dress. Might not get a lot of work. Riley will probably start the game, play a little bit, but won't play a lot. Uh, Sherritt's getting the week off on defense. Kenny Ladler's getting the week off. 
Uh, Watkins and Thompson a little banged up, so they're not going to play. So, yeah, it, uh, you'll get to see some other guys for the Eskimos tomorrow. The result absolutely meaningless in terms of uh, the Eskimos' playoff future. So there you go. 810 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Rogers Place will be hosting the second game between Team WHL and Team Russia. That'll be on Tuesday night. And the WHL head coach for that is uh, Tim Hunter. Tim, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, excited. We've got a big game against Edmonton tonight. Yeah, for sure. you got to be happy with the start to the season. Eh? Ten wins out of, uh, out of 15 games so far. Can't argue with that. Yeah, and we've played uh, eight one-goal games, and we haven't lost in a one-goal game yet, uh, 6-0-2, oh, so uh, not so bad. I mean, what? Uh, I mean, most hockey games are close, right? Especially when at the higher up levels you go. So you know, you got to figure out ways to win by one or two goals. Does that does that create a little bit of momentum, or as a coach, do you get nervous that maybe it's going to go the other way eventually, or or how do you approach it? No, I think if you're winning one goal games, it makes your team better. It gives them confidence uh, and uh, shows them that they can win in those games. And it also gives uh, your team confidence defensively and your goaltending confidence in when you're winning one goal games. And, you know, we've had lots of goalie out situations where the other teams had the goalie out. We scored empty net goals and, and haven't been scored on. So it's uh, it's kind of exciting. Uh, it's, it's fun. And uh, uh, the players, uh, you know, playing in that pressure environment can only make them better. You know, it's 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 funny, Tim. I, I do the Oilers uh, post game show with Rob Brown, and sometimes uh, a listener or somebody will text in and say, "Oh, well, it was just an empty net goal." But Rob always says they all count, right? They all, they, they all give you the stat, right? <laughs> uh, that's right. And uh, sometimes those are really important goals, and making your team feel comfortable uh, with a win, and uh, instead of hanging on by skin of your teeth for the last uh, minute and a half, you can score an empty net goal when the goalie's out. It's soon as possible it really puts a, a nail in the other team's coffin for sure uh you know it's 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 funny uh there we've had a lot of debate here in edmonton this season i mean Connor mcdavid's a, you know, obviously an incredible talent nazem Kadri was able to do a number on him a little bit and we get into the old well it's not like you used to you can't go out there and grab a guy and fight is, is it possible to intimidate players i mean you played a role where where you try to you tried to strike fear into the hearts of the competition when when you played do you think that's changed at all or, or do you think there's still a way that uh, you know guys have to step up and and uh, get other people to back off the stars a bit well, yeah, there's always, I mean, there's, you're never going to take intimidation out of sport, whether it's golf, which there's intimidation in, which a lot of people would, would question that, but there is. Um, but it's doing it the right way. And Toronto uh, got away with it. Uh, Edmonton didn't respond very well. Uh, you know, there's always a way around it. You know, you want to rub my player the wrong way, we're going to rub your player the wrong way. Let's see how he feels. And, you know, the referees uh, do a good job, and you have to allow some physicality in the game. And, and, but it's the smart teams that get away with the, uh, with the intimidation. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, the, and the Leafs were able to pull it off a, a little bit the other night. It'll, it'll be interesting to see where, where the Oilers, uh, where the Oilers uh, go with that for sure. Look, we, we want to talk to you about the uh, Canada-Russia series coming up. You're going to be in Edmonton on Tuesday for uh, for the second game in this. I mean, just first of all, how, how excited are you to be able to coach in this? Oh, I'm very excited. It's, uh, it's another step in our process of selecting the World Junior Team and to coach a team of uh, great hockey players. You know, they're all special on their own teams. 
you know, putting the lines together. And, you know, I got four lines, you know, you got 24 goals in one, 22 in another, 17 in another, and 18 through 16 games. So, you know, those are all top lines in any team in the Western Hockey League. And D pairings that have uh, seven, four, and six goals amongst uh, uh, each pairing. So exciting. And the goaltending tandem with uh, less than two goals against and over 925 save percentage. Uh, yeah, I'd take that team any day. <laughs> it's pretty exciting to be able to coach a team like that. And and hopefully we can uh, come together as soon as, as quickly as possible in PG to start it off. And I know the Russians will be a good team. They'll be well coached. Uh, Valerie Bragan is a very good coach, and he's uh, been successful at the World Juniors as well. Tim, what are you going to have for practice time? I mean, that's not a lot of uh, time to uh, get the lines to gel and, and build some chemistry. Yeah, no, we're going to have we're just going to have an opportunity to meet uh, on Sunday when we get into Prince George, and then we'll be on the ice Monday morning for a morning skate. There'll just be a walkthrough of some of our special teams and systems, uh, and then play Monday and and Tuesday. But you know, they're all all smart hockey players. Uh, they know systems. They've all played in different. Uh, system environments and it won't take them long to adjust and we really want them just to play instinctively and not worry about uh, where they're supposed to be just go out and play hockey and play the Canadian way and uh, play hard and compete hard uh, you know, I got the uh, news release today. Tyler Benson, Edmonton kid, named alternate captain of Team WHL, uh, Oilers draft pick from this past summer. Is it is it a wild assumption on my part to say you will enjoy uh, coaching him for a couple of games instead of coaching against him? <laughs> yeah, you know, Tyler's a great kid, and I had him at the U18 uh, World Championship in Switzerland, and you know, Richard Dirksen and myself go through the list and talk about who should be captaincies and assistant captains. And right from day one, you know, we, we looked at him and, you know, we had Howden and Patrick in as assistant captains as well. And then with them not making it, uh, you know, we were going to alternate uh, a 1A in the two games between Benson, Howden and, and uh, Patrick, you know. And uh, so it ends, you know, those guys can't play and, Really like uh, Tyler. He's a great kid. Real, real good hockey player. Excited for him. He's from Edmonton. So it'll be great. And, uh, you know, the older guys uh, with Witherspoon, Juleson, and, and Merkley being uh, in the leadership group, yeah, it's nice to pass the torch on, have a young guy involved as well. He's only a year younger, but uh, been through a lot with Hockey Canada and very good junior player. Well, this series is always fun, and we're lucky to uh, have it land in Edmonton this year, and uh, you're going to enjoy checking out Rogers' place a little bit. I know you won't have a lot of time, but hopefully you have a time to do to do a lap. Uh, Tim, thanks so much for your time, man. We'll talk again soon. You bet. Appreciate it. Anytime. Have a great day. Tim Hunter from the Moose Jaw Warriors. We taped that this afternoon. His Warriors leading the Oil Kings 1-0 halfway through the game tonight in Moose Jaw. So Montreal loses 10-0 to Columbus. I got a text to 630 uh, this texter says, hey, Reed, a few people might have some hearing loss in Columbus. Did they have enough powder for that cannon for 10 goals? <laughs> That's a good one. Last team to score 10. St. Louis beat Detroit 10-3 in uh, March of 2011. So about five and a half years. And uh, I, I just see they have some uh, Michelle Therrien postgame on the TV that is tied for the largest shutout loss in the history of the Montreal Canadiens. I'll have to look up the other time they lost 10 nothing. Haven't seen it yet, but uh, a crazy night. Columbus beats the Habs 10-zip. Sean texting in 
for the very first time. Sean, thanks for reaching out. He says, after the World Series, the losing team must have to wait on the field while their dressing room gets cleaned out. Uh, I, I, Sean, I don't know about that in all cases because I, I'm talking like after every playoff series, the losing team tends to just sit there. Now, that is interesting for a Game 7, Matthew, that was tied going extra innings. They must have had champagne and stuff ready for, for both locker rooms, you would think. I, I would think so as well. I mean, you know, it's a it's a tie game. You never know what's going to happen, but, right? So. But I don't think the I, – I don't know. Sean, I'll have to look into that. But I don't think that the, the players necessarily wait because you have heard stories of players saying, oh, I didn't wait and I went in and they were tearing down the, the plastic wrap because they thought we were going to win and we lost, right? But, uh, no, that is an interesting observation from Sean for sure. It's 8-18. Uh, still ahead, we'll uh, talk to Chris King, the play-by-play voice of the New York Islanders. You'll hear some comments from Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. And I want to tell you how you can help Santa's Anonymous at the Eskimos game tomorrow. That's when we get back. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. So the Canadians lose by 10 goals for the first time since they were beaten 11-1 by Detroit in February of 1995. I think we all remember what happened as a result of that game. Matthew Panastrick? Yes. The Colorado Avalanche won the Cup that year because of that. Uh, is that the right year, actually? I just I just brought this up. The Avalanche won in, uh, in 96. Yep. So in February of 95... Well, it's got to be 96 because then 94-95, the Nordiques were still playing, right? 95-96 was the first year of the, uh, of the uh, Avalanche because they moved from Quebec in the, uh, in the offseason. Hang on here. Let's double-check this on the fly. Uh, okay, that was, that was December of 95. They lost 11-1, not February. So the story I found here is not correct. So, yeah, that season. Uh, man. Canadians play again tomorrow at Philadelphia. <laughs> they'll, get a, they'll get a quick opportunity to bounce back. That's a stunner. Columbus beating the Canadians 10-1. Montreal still 9-1-1 on the year. It's just the one loss was by 10 goals. Uh, hey, on a uh, totally different note, but I want to get this in. Uh, Lana Nordland is the executive director of 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. Lana, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Reed. It's great to see you. It's always exciting to, to get you on the, to the air to talk about the exciting stuff going on with Santa's Anonymous and uh, big football game tomorrow from a Santa's perspective. Tell people what's going on. Well, it's absolutely huge. This is the annual drive we do with the Eskimos, and it's we're going to have elves at every one of the uh, the gates. They'll be collecting uh, new unwrapped toys as well as monetary donations. You you can't miss them. They'll Some will have elf hats on and some will have Santa hats, but they'll all be in their Santa's Anonymous uh, green jerseys, and you can ask them questions if if you like, or you can always go to santasanonymous.ca if you have questions. But uh, they're there to collect the donations, and we'll have uh, 
our sister station, Kiss and Country, will have the cool bus out there, so we'll be filling that at Gate 9 with toys. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the weather's holding out, so we, we like that part too. Yeah, it, it looks great. They're expecting over 30000 for the game. So just to declare, people can actually bring toys if they want or if they want to throw a 10, 20, a 50, or 100 in into you, a barrel or whatever. That's, that's all good. <laughs> I don't know if there's actually going to be a big barrel, Lana, but you don't know. No, what I'm no about. it's not a barrel. It's, it's a milk jug with a hole in it. All right. <laughs> but there is, there is that. If you do bring a check, then we have your address right on the check. Then you'll get a tax receipt. Uh, we'll send that out from the office. But uh, otherwise, uh, you know, we pop a 20 in there or, or whatever you can afford. Every little bit counts. And we do purchase toys for the t- uh, for the age groups that we don't get enough donated for. And, of course, there's other supply- supplies to wrap the toys, to tag them with the individual families, you know. So we need labels and tie wraps and things like that. So there's other supplies that go along with it. And what what's going on with a, a new home here for Santa's Anonymous? So in September, we moved into our um, official forever home, um, the Jerry Forbes Center for Community Spirit. And we're really excited. We've got our phone lines in there. The computers are up and running. We had a brief open house the other day to introduce some of our uh, supporters and volunteers to the place. And we'll be open to the public starting uh, in a couple of weeks, about November 17th. Th- that Thursday is our first drop-in day for volunteers it's going to be absolutely fantastic and uh, it's a little tight right now but uh, when the current uh, tenant next to us uh, when they move out then we'll have some more space but this is great this is where we're going to be from here on in okay that that's that's awesome so that'll be a drop-off spot and that'll be when the, the the delivery days happen. That'll be where people start at. All that kind of stuff. That's all that a kind new of place stuff. to learn. Okay. Yeah, and you mentioned delivery days, so let's yes. just quickly De- December seventeenth and eighteenth. It is the exact Saturday and Sunday beforehand. And remember, you do not sign up. We do not take pre uh, uh, requests to be a driver. So you just you show up. Is basically it. All that information is at SantasAnonymous.ca, or you can give us a call at seven eight zero four two eight eight six nine seven. Okay, and if if people are thinking about volunteering, or is it is it too late? Is it too early to, to get get your name in there? What can they do? Well, we have two sets of volunteering. We have our group volunteers, uh, and that deadline has passed for the groups to apply, and so they'll be finding out next week if their group was successful in getting a shift. And then we have the drop-ins. So drop-ins is basically as long as you're 16, um, you show up, and if there's something to do and there's space for you, then we get you busy. And drop-ins are Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 to 9, Saturdays and Sundays from 10 to five beginning on uh, the 17th of november okay great stuff and lana i will see you at the football game you betcha thanks breed this is inside sports with reed wilkins on edmonton sports leader 630 chad so some of your headlines tonight, the Eskimos are going east. Winnipeg beats Ottawa 33-20. Eskimos finish fourth in the west. They will be at Hamilton in a playoff game next Sunday. First, they finish their regular season tomorrow afternoon at 2 against the Toronto Argos. We'll have that for you on 6.30. Shed with the coverage beginning at 2.30. The Oilers do a little line shuffling. We'll talk more about that in a couple of minutes, but you can also get the story on the Oilers page on 6.30.shed.com. In the NHL... 10-0, the Columbus Blue Jackets beat the Montreal Canadiens tonight. The Canadiens had allowed 13 goals this season in <laughs> 10 games coming into tonight. They allow 10 in one game, 8 in the first two periods. An absolute stunner tonight. The Blue Jackets beat the Habs 10-0. Thanks for tuning in. 
I'm Reed Wilkins. Matthew Panashik is on the other side of the window as your studio producer this evening. Did you catch that Islanders stat I, I looked up earlier today, that Oilers Islanders stat? Oh, I missed it. Oh, eight and one oh, are yes. the Oilers on their in their last nine road games against the Islanders. They uh, had a overtime loss in December of 2005. Last win for the Oilers at New York, at the New York Islanders, December 14th, 1999. Mike Greer, the game-winning goal. Tommy Sowell, the win in net. It was 4-2. December 14th, 1999. Now, they, don't, they haven't played there every year, so it's, but still a nine-game winless streak. They got one point in December of 2005. The Oilers will try to get their power play going, of course. Just two for 23 since game number two of the season. They went three for 10 in the first two games against the Flames. They are two for 23 since. Had Oilers assistant coach Jay Woodcroft on the show earlier tonight. Here are his remarks on the power play. Percentage-wise, the... You know, our group isn't where we need need to be. And, uh, you know, certainly everybody's been aware of that. Um, we've worked hard uh, through video. We've worked hard on the ice uh, to try and get better every day, which is what our goal is. I think, um, you know, when you go through the stretch that we had through 10 games there, uh, you go and you try and search for every answer. And that did a lot of good work on trying to give some things uh, for our group to hang their hats on. Uh, one of them was, you know, to shoot shoot it more. You know, we believe that shooting the puck breaks penalty kills down. Uh, so we asked our guys, you know, to have that kind of mindset to continue to shoot. But after the Ottawa game, we did a lot of uh, work on our retrieval. So not it's not just getting the shot through. It's also the ability, the want and determination to retrieve the puck once the shots can take it. So that's an area that, that we've addressed as well. We've been fairly happy with our entries. Um, there's some you know work to do in the face-off circle and, and being able to establish an early shot there. Um, but you know last night I thought was a, something that we can build on. There were lots of one battles and we were able to uh, find a way to, to produce. And, uh, you know, there's stuff to, to work on going forward here on this road trip. I think the big thing for us, though, when we go and we study our, every part of our game, but for our power player in particular, we want to see um, if we're able to generate the chances that we think our group can generate. And, uh, you know, through 10 games, we felt we've had some chances that we didn't, didn't bury, just open nets that we haven't buried. So we've talked to our guys about that as well as about having that type of killer instinct. Uh, I think for us going forward, you'll uh, you'll see us continue to evolve organically, and uh, we're excited about these last couple games on on uh, the road trip here to to really tighten up the screws on the power play. All right, some comments on the uh, Oilers power play. It is 21st in the NHL. Well, it was it was coming into the night anyway. Fifteen point two percent. The power, the penalty killing for the Oilers, very good. Second in the league, ninety one percent. Yes, they have, have just watching highlights here. They were chanting, "We want ten in Columbus." They did get to ten. In case you're wondering, Carey Price was not in goal. Al Montoya was in for all ten goals against by Columbus tonight. The Canadians play again tomorrow. Price getting the night off, so they weren't going to put him in. The Jets beat the Red Wings 5-3. The Ducks up 2-0 early on Arizona. They're only about 13 minutes into that game. In the Western Hockey League, Oil Kings and Moose Jaw tied 1-1 
with the third period about to start. The Oilers farm team, the Bakersfield Condors hosting the Texas Stars tonight. It is one nothing for Texas with five and a half minutes left in the first period. The Toronto Raptors beat Miami 96-87. We have John on the phone line. Hi, John. Hi, Reed. Thanks for taking my call. No problem. Um, I wanted to talk about the CFL schedule. I think they just have to get some things fixed, you know. And um, the first thing is Thursday night games. I think the fans have to be in the seats and people work on Fridays. I don't think that's going to work. And as soon as fall comes, then you're up against the NFL Thursday night games. The second thing I think is, you know, back-to-back games aren't exciting. They just aren't except for Labor Day. And we just we can't have long breaks like we've had in the schedule. And it's just not the Eskimos. I mean, four out of six early games in the season at home when our poorest attendance is usually in June, July, and early part of August. And uh, you, you just can't... I don't understand why they can't do a better job on the scheduling. Uh, I wondered if you had had any comments from lead roads in your discussions about that kind of thing. Well, I, I know there were over 20 versions of the schedule that the, the CFL did for this coming season, and teams would always send it back with more feedback and more of this and more of this. Um, so I think the league and the schedule, there were there were weird quirks in the schedule, not just for the Eskimos this year. Other teams had extended road trips or extended homestands. Uh, right. I, I, I look. I, I think the CFL just threw its hands up and said, "Screw it, we're not going to make everybody happy." So this one works. So here it is. But I think it was awful. Uh, I agree with you about the Thursday night games, though, John. I will make a slight correction to what you said. They didn't have any Thursday night games after September first. Uh, they were all Friday, Saturday, Sunday games since the start of September. But I, I don't. You're right. I don't even like the Thursday night games in the summer, though. The league will say, well, people sometimes go away on the weekend, so they're not in town to watch a football game. But I don't like the Thursday night games. I'd sooner have a Friday or a Saturday game, and I don't even right. mind a Saturday afternoon game, even no, in the summer. You know, so what? It's think- it's light out until eleven o'clock in July. You can go to an Eskimos game from two to five and still have five or six hours to enjoy the the, the daylight. Yeah, and you know, the Eskimos have done lots of surveys on their fans, and they know that's the case. It just seems we don't be seem to get the message across, and I think part of it is the commissioner. He's made some just bad decisions, but he gets guided, I guess, by the Board of Governors. How about this thing with the miking up? I, I have, I've been so busy, I haven't had a chance to listen to your show the last week or so, but just wondered, what, what people, are they supportive of this as a concept because I personally find it kind of irritating and it, and it doesn't seem to add anything to the no, game. No, you're right. It, it added nothing. I, I respect that they wanted to try it. It, it, it in my mind it added nothing because I don't I don't understand what the play calls are. You know, like nobody unless you play. Even Ricky Ray said I had him on the show a couple nights ago. Even he said when he watched other games, he doesn't know the other team's terminology, so he doesn't know what they're calling. Um, I, I I think now I, I the Eskimos they should have just done it in Montreal they should have done it and gotten it over with and said okay we realize you know we're trying this um, so I think Moss should have just worn the mic I know he passionately talked about it this week but I think we if they want to keep doing it they need to figure out a way that makes it more entertaining as opposed to just gibberish <laughs> well Odell Willis 
volunteered to make it more entertaining. Well, he'd be something. I mean, I would sooner have a couple players and a coach wear a mic, and the and TSN records everything, and maybe they sit with a representative from each team, and they say, okay, that was really good. Can we play that? And then three minutes later, maybe you hear it, right? Yeah, that's kind of what the NFL does, and they they have their sideline cameras, and they have the interview, and and they don't. It's not you don't uh, actually you don't often hear the conversation, but you you get the drift of the conversation. Yeah, you know, I think I think that might work. But I just thought, and I can understand Jason Moss because you know what, the Eskimos uh, have put in a, a complicated offense. It took them uh, four to six games just to get it down with this no huddle, and the, I don't think the league understands it. You know that would give people our our whole offensive scheme. Well, and like, one of Moss's arguments this week was that there that the, the 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 agreement was that they shut the mics off once the team breaks the huddle. And Moss says, "Well, we never huddle, so why should I have to wear a mic?" Right. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. But and then they say, "Well, use a code word." I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah, you're making it a little a little complicated. I, I mean, I respect that they, it's kind of like the American expansion in the 90s. I respect that they tried it, but then they had to admit it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the, the, the other thing is that I wouldn't be so keen in the league to be fining people. Like, I was, I think it's embarrassing to have them fine Jason Moss, and I, I just don't get it. Uh, you know, we're part of the partner. We're one of the nine teams that are in this deal. Uh, you got to listen to what people are saying, and I thought it was grossly unfair when, when they find uh, Ed Hervey for tampering when the culprit was, was in Saskatchewan. Like it's just, uh, it gets goofy sometimes. All right, John. Thanks for calling, man. Glad to have you listening tonight. Take care. Yeah, go ask. We're going to beat those tiger cats. Right on. John's already getting ready for next Sunday. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers play the Islanders tomorrow. The Islanders struggling. We'll talk to their play-by-play voice, Chris King, when we get back. The Edmonton Oilers sitting at 7-3-1 on the season. Tomorrow they play the 4-6-1 New York Islanders. Pleased to welcome Islanders play-by-play voice, Chris King, to Inside Sports. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. How are you? Doing very well. Great to have you on the show again, and these two teams are ready to go at it. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it'll be closer than the game these two teams played in Brooklyn last year. <laughs> well, yeah, for the folks that don't know, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and the Islanders won by a touchdown. It was an 8-1 final uh, in favor of New York. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I actually talked to Casey Sezikis about that today of the Islanders, and I said, what do you remember about that game? And he said, it's not what I remember, it's what the Oilers remember. So he, uh, he no doubt you know, knows that they're going to remember what happened the last time in and uh, would love to have a little payback in the building where it all went down well that's one reason for the Oilers to be motivated another reason is that they're uh, winless in their last three and that's the obviously their longest winning uh, winless stretch of the young season but uh, an Islanders squad that's probably a little grumbly as, as well I mean you look at the standings and, and they're only ahead of Carolina well I guess tied with Columbus but Columbus has the games played advantage so the Islanders only ahead of Carolina in the Eastern Conference standings I mean not the start they wanted uh, give me uh, give me maybe a couple of things that that haven't been going right here for the Islanders. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple places to start, Reed. They haven't won on the road. They're the only team in the NHL that has no points on the road. They've only played three road games, but they've lost all three in regulation. So, again, the only team that doesn't have a point on the road, they're not scoring a lot uh, from their offense. Their defense has actually done a terrific job. They lead the NHL in goals by defensemen with 11, and they've had a defenseman score a goal now in seven straight games. That's the first time that's happened for this team in over three decades. So, uh, you know, they need to have the offense, uh, you know, pick up all those points that went away in the offseason when Kyle Poso signed as a free agent with Buffalo, when Franz Nielsen did the same with Detroit, and when Matt Martin went off to Toronto. Those three guys put up 135 points a year ago, and, you know, Poso was their second leading scorer, and Nielsen was their third. So they haven't found the offensive yet. Um, and the other thing is, you know, they're still trying to figure out this goaltending situation. They have three goaltenders, and Yaro Halak and Thomas Grice so far have split the duties, and J.F. Barube's kind of been the emergency backup, but still on the roster. And, you know, it, goaltenders will tell you it's tough in practice when there are only two nets and there are three net minders. So, uh, you know, those are just some of the issues that they're dealing with right now. And of late, the biggest one actually, Reed, has been the un inability to preserve a lead late. They've only played 11 games this year. In five of those games, they have given up the game-tying goal or the game-winning goal against in the final three minutes of regulation. So the good news is, you know, they've been there. They've been close. The bad news is they, they, they can't finish. They just can't close it out. Yeah, that's tough, and that can weigh on a team if that keeps happening for sure. I mean, you referenced the goaltending situation. Does does this end with a trade? Does this end with somebody being sent down? I mean, what's what's going to resolve this? Yeah, it's it's tough to predict how it will get resolved. And the situation is that the Islanders don't want to put Jay Perube back in the American Hockey League because he'd have to pass through waivers. Again, he's 25 years old. They've seen great things from him in his brief time up with this club. He's done great things, you know, in his past in the American Hockey League. So they don't want to risk having to send him to Bridgeport to get him some time because they know somebody would pluck him free. But yet, you know, Yarl Halak last year had such an injury-plagued season that they want to hang on to JF just in case, you know, Yarl gets banged up again and then they have a quality backup to Thomas Grice so right now Grice and Halak have kind of gone back and forth they haven't had one guy lock in and uh, you know barring a trade I don't see any other resolution you know to this situation without the risk of of losing a, a young netminder who's 25 years old in J.F. Barube that they high, highly value. Okay, well, that's uh, that's interesting there. Chris King joining us, play-by-play -play voice on the Islanders Radio Network. Oilers and Islanders tomorrow. Face-off uh, will be at 5 o'clock right here on 6.30, Chad. All right, so, you know, the I mean, I assume the expectations for this team, as as for a lot of teams, but but I assume the expectations were, you know, playoffs and, and, and maybe going very deep if you if you look at the season they were coming off. Um, is... is you know, you already look at the standings and say we got to pass X number of teams just to get back into a playoff spot. Is that already weighing on the team? Do you little? Do you think a little bit, Chris? I mean, are they in verge of it slipping away type mode, or or how would you describe the attitude of the team right now? Yeah, I don't think they're pushing the panic button yet, Reed. But certainly, you know, they didn't expect to be two games under NHL 500, which is where they are through 11. And you know, for the folks that don't know, you know, you talked about expectations. They are coming off, you know, back-to-back 100-point -back seasons for the first time in over 30 years in franchise history. And last year, they finally won a playoff series for the first time in 23 years, as they knocked off Florida in the opening round before falling to Tampa in the second round. So certainly, the expectation is make the playoffs and try to go further than you did a year ago. 
But right now, you know, with the offense, uh, its inability of the forwards to, to cash in, it's been a struggle. And, again, it's been, you know, they haven't, you know, lost more than two in a row, but they haven't won more than two in a row either. So it's kind of just trying to find that ground. And, you know, they need to do well on this five-game homestand because, as I mentioned, they've played only three road games. So they're playing 10 of the first 13 at home. And then at the back end of the schedule, they play 17 of the final 24 on the road. So you know it's going to come back to get you sooner or later. And uh, the scoring just has to pick up. That, to me, is the biggest thing. We talked about those guys that departed in Oposo, Nielsen, and Matt Martin. So far, Andrew Ladd, their big offseason acquisition by a free agency, has one assist, one point in 11 games. And the former Oiler, Jason Chimera, only has three assists, no goals in his 11 games. So, you know, two of their biggest offseason acquisitions in Chimera and Ladd have not scored yet at all. Well, yeah, that's those are some pretty shocking stats from from Andrew Ladd for sure. What, what, the Barkley Center, I mean, I know we talked about it before, and, and the move there. Um, and look, you're there all the time, so I want to ask you. You know, I read some articles about the ice. I even saw one headline today that Islanders a mess with grumbling grumbling goalies and soggy ice. I know they're. <laughs> I think that was the New York Post, and they can never oh, have too yeah, spectacular shocker. headline. Um, yeah. But I mean, and you know, and there's some concerns about the ice here at the new building in Edmonton too. Uh, Rogers Place. I think they want to increase the quality of it as well. What's what's been going on with Barclays Center and 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 some of the ice conditions? Yeah, I mean, there was you know one night in particular, uh, read where it was very bad and everybody noticed it. And that was a day, it was, I believe it was 75 to 80 degrees outside with oppressive humidity. So clearly, you know, they've found out that when the conditions outside warm up, they've got to do a better job of, you know, uh, attending to the ice inside. And in their, you know, to their credit, in the off season, the folks at Barclays Center went out and brought in an ice guru whose only job is to make sure that ice is good. They brought in a whole new dehumidific- uh, dehumidification system to try to help out in that regard. And, uh, you know, once the weather kind of got back to being a little colder it hasn't been as much as of an issue as it was on that one particular night where clearly you know the puck wouldn't settle down but you know the players and uh the coach in particular jack capuano tries to say look both teams have to play on it but you know you certainly want it to be as playable as possible so that you can make a couple passes when you're out there on the power play all right and last one for you did the islanders uh, chatter at all about uh facing mcdavid well, you know, I talked to a few of them today, and, you know, Jack Capuano was the one, I think, who nailed it on the head read. He said, you know, he knows the skill set. He knows what he can do. He knows about his speed. But he talked more about his acceleration than anything else. He said he, to him, he might be, you know, the one guy that has the, the quickest acceleration in the entire National Hockey League. So, yes, they're, they're very well aware of what he's done this season. But, uh, you know, to a man defensively, how they're going to try to defend against him is to try to limit him, uh, you know, in getting that acceleration going. Because once he does, nobody's catching him flat out. So, uh, you know, that was the main concern of the Islanders head coach when I spoke to Jack this morning. All right. Well, it'll be fun tomorrow. Two teams who really want to get back in the win column here. Chris, thanks so much for your time. Have a great call tomorrow. Anytime, Reed. Always great talking hockey with you. Chris King from the Islanders Radio Network. Final look at the scoreboard. Blue Jackets beat the Canadians 10-0. Jets win 5-3 in Detroit. Anaheim's up 3-0 on Arizona after one. The Oil Kings 1-1 tie with the Warriors early in the third period. The Oilers farm team, Bakersfield Condors, trailing the Texas Stars 2-0. That is after the first period of play. In the CFL, Winnipeg beats Hamilton 33-20. Edmonton, or pardon me, Winnipeg beats Ottawa 33-20. Winnipeg will play Edmonton. Edmonton will play at Hamilton in the East semifinal next Sunday. Eskimos play Toronto tomorrow. We'll sign on at 12.30. 
Coverage continues until 5, then we'll switch to the Oilers and the Islanders, all right here on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.